Welcome to Not Your Cup of Tea. I'm your host, Kelsey West. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Not Your Cup of Tea. I'm your host, Kelsey West. Thank you so much for joining me today on this lovely Wednesday or whatever day you are choosing to listen to this. Today is a very exciting episode. I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is my second time recording it. The first time I recorded it, which was yesterday, it just did not feel right. Like, I felt like I was not in the right headspace when I sat down to record and I try to start talking. It felt like a like actual chore to speak. I was having a really hard time getting my words out and I just knew that when I went back later to edit it, I was gonna one, have to do a lot of editing uh, because I kept pausing and taking a lot of moments to like think about what I was trying to say. So this is take two and I've added something that I think will be a little bit more fun. I've cut out some stuff that I was getting bored with just sitting there talking about, so chances are you were going to be bored listening to it. So here's, here's the agenda for today. We're going to give a little bit of Halloween history, which probably sounds boring, but I, I thought it was interesting. So I'm going to share it on the off chance that you find it interesting too. And then we're going to do a really brief, my favorite movies, TV shows, and music for Halloween. Because why not? Um, It's fun to talk about. And then we're going to do spooky stories. I have a couple spooky stories to share. And then I have some uh, submissions from listeners that I'm very excited to share as well. And I realize that when this comes out, Halloween technically has already passed. It would have been yesterday. But we're going to pretend like it's still October for today and continue with the celebratory nature of Halloween. So happy belated Halloween and happy November 1st. I am so happy because this last week, it finally started feeling like fall weather. Fall is my shit. Like... It is my favorite season by far. It is a very short window (laughs) um, for when fall actually occurs between, you know, summer to winter. It is very quick, but it is the best in my opinion. And so I'm just very happy that it is finally feeling like fall. Uh, There was something that I wanted to say before I got into today's agenda. What was it? Oh! (laughs) <laughs> so last week I told you guys that I didn't have a Halloween costume planned or picked out and that that was really unusual for me because Halloween is my favorite. I tend to, you know, plan ahead and I get really excited about what my costume is going to be and I haven't done that this year because I've been so busy and because I'm going to be working on Halloween so I just didn't plan to have a costume. However, Friday rolled around and my mom asked if I wanted to go to their church's trunk or treat. Uh, she wanted to see if I wanted to go with her and help her pass out candy and stuff. And I said, sure. And so Saturday rolled around, which was the night that this trunk or treat was happening. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't, 
I don't want to go to Trunk or Treat and not have a costume. That's just, that's not how I roll, you know? And so I had, like, very briefly, like, looked on Pinterest for some ideas of something that could maybe be easy, like some fun Halloween makeup or whatever. And I found this really cute short bob wig with bangs that was, like, bright lime green. And the girl had on, like, um, sparkles on her face. She was supposed to be like an alien, like a stylish alien girl. And I liked that. And I was like, I think I could adapt that a little bit into some stuff that I already have because I have this blue jacket, um, with like these black patches on the side with pockets that looks very much like a space cadet <laughs> uh, uniform, especially when I wear it at work with my my blue pants. Like I look like I'm about ready to board like Apollo 15 or something. And so I decided to wear that and some leggings and just a pair of white sneakers. And I bought some like bright green makeup to do my face and I bought the sparkles and I got these really cool like false eyelashes that had um, little like uh, what is it? Not sequins, but like little flecks of sparkles on the ends. And I went to Spirit and I picked up a short bob banged haircut, just like the one I had seen in the photo. They didn't have something that was like bright green, like the bright, bright neon that I was looking for, but they had a white one. And I was like, ooh, I feel like the white one kind of fits really well. So I went ahead and did that. And I made these little patches out of like felt and stickers <laughs> that said like Space Force and it had a little star on it and so I tacked it onto my jacket and in the midst of like pulling this costume together within a matter of hours I had this brilliant idea you know tooting my own horn I think it was pretty brilliant to dress Daisy up as my little alien she was so freaking cute I found at a Target this dog costume that was supposed to be a pickle, but it does not look like a pickle. <laughs> but it's bright green and it has these little like bubbles, little circle circle pattern like on the fabric. And I was like, ooh, that could totally get pulled off as an alien. And then I got a headband that has these like little springy antennae and they had on it the dog from Nightmare Before Christmas, but I took those off and I balled up some foil and then I foiled the headband and I took this little... <laughs> I probably sound like such a crazy dog owner telling you this, but anyways, I had these little St. Patty's Day plastic hats that had... um oh, what is it called on it? Like elastic, elastic, that's what that's called. It had elastic on it that I used to dress Daisy up for St. Patty's Day. But the pack that I bought came with like 10 of them. And so I had nine of them just like sitting around. And so I snipped off the elastic on one of those little plastic hats. And then I glued it onto the headband with the little, you know, alien antennae bobs. And I put that on her and a little green glow stick. So she glowed like she was like radioactive or something. And I'm not going to lie. We looked great. And I had so much fun just throwing this costume together literally within like just a few hours. Like it couldn't have been more than four hours, maybe five. It was just so much fun. And it made me realize... Part of the reason why I really love Halloween, 
which I think a lot of people who really like Christmas, they probably have this same feeling from Christmas, but for me, it's Halloween, of really embracing like a childlike mindset. And so when I say that, what I really mean is embracing imagination and pretend and play, like the things that we tend to discard or kind of grow out of as we get older because those things tend to no longer suit us as we reach adulthood and start having to deal in, you know, the world of of reality and responsibility. And Halloween is just one of those times where I really get to practice my creativity and put it into action and to play. I I never really realized that before, I guess. I think especially in previous years planning my costume for so long, that felt very adult in a way, like, you know, being prepared for the holiday to come around and and making plans ahead of time. And also like the things that I would tend to want to dress up as in the past would be things that I would want to to like wear or ways I would want to look on the day-to-day basis that I just couldn't for whatever reason. Like, for example, I really love 1930s fashion and attire. And so I really wanted to do a couple years ago, uh, like Bonnie from Bonnie and Clyde and do like fun fake bullet holes and fake blood and like have a little gun and, and like, embrace that 1930s fashion but with like a little bit of you know a gory Halloween twist but it it wasn't something like actually um like fun necessarily I don't know if I'm really explaining this right but there was just a sense of on Saturday just deciding to like throw everything together and a sense of resourcefulness of using what I already had and figuring out, okay, how can I make this or that, you know, really quickly and, and on, you know, a minimal amount of money (laughs) and still make it look, um, like believable in a sense. And I feel like my costume kind of pulled that off. And so I just, I really enjoyed the whole process and being able to feel kind of reinvigorated in in those creative spaces. I will post some photos of me and Daisy's costume on uh, the podcast Instagram. So you can go check that out if you want to see how it all came together and how it ended up looking. Um... <laughs> I just said Daisy's name and she got up to come over here and be like, what's up, mom? You you said my name. What do you need? I'm here. Anyways. All right. Let's get into the Halloween stuff. I mean, talking about my costume was Halloween stuff, but you know what I mean. The, the Halloween agenda I have, I have planned. Let's get into that. <laughs> All right. So up first, we're going to do a little brief review of Halloween, um, where it came from, how the traditions of Halloween came about, and hopefully you find it um, as interesting as I do. So there are essentially three different holidays that were, or I guess still are in some cases, celebrated in different parts of the world in various cultures that had a similar theme And they all kind of combine because America is, you know, just a melting pot of cultures and language and tradition. 
So all three of these holidays kind of merged into one that became uh, what we know today in America as Halloween. The first one is All Hallows' Eve, which was a medieval Christian holiday that comes from All Saints' Day. And All Saints' Day is something that is still celebrated uh, today, as far as I know, but I could be wrong about that. So back in back in the medieval times, what they would do on All Hallows' Eve is they would hold an evening mass, and what the holiday was celebrating was basically honoring the lives and the deaths of God's saints, you know, the saints that the Christian and Catholic Church worship or pray to. And that is typically held between October 30th and November 2nd. Now, the second one, which is technically the oldest known origins of um, like where Halloween came from, is a Celtic or Gaelic pagan festival called Samhain. And it occurred November 1st. Again, there's a little bit of a, a, a window, so it could have occurred anywhere between like October 28th and November 2nd. But they kind of settle on November 1st, the the place. The places I researched basically settled on November 1st. This festival marked the changing of seasons, and it was believed that the veil or some sort of boundary between this life and the next became especially thin, so as the living could contact or communicate with the dead. In this case, they would believe that deceased or passed away spirits would actually come back to our living realm, like on earth, and be able to visit people. And so this is actually where the tradition of the jack-o'-lantern came from. They would carve demonic-looking like faces into turnips, and they believed that these scary faces would scare away any wandering souls or spirits that were maybe out seeking to do mischief or harm or anything like that. In the idea of trying to stay away from the, the bad spirits, that's also where like the traditional dressing up for Halloween comes from is because the Celts and the Gaelics would dress themselves up in a disguise to like confuse the spirits and make the spirits think that they weren't really who they were. So that way they would, you know, kind of move along and do their own little thing. There's also a Irish myth about this guy called Stingy Jack who supposedly tricked the devil uh, in order to get more money. And the Irish in particular believed that he would come back on Halloween night, their Halloween night, so Samhain. That is part of the reason why they would dress up and do the jack-o'-lanterns because they specifically wanted to keep this guy away from them <laughs> because I guess he, you know, he was kind of bad news. I mean, he tricked the devil for goodness sake, you know? And then also the, the tradition of trick-or-treating comes from this festival as well. Basically, during the festival, people would go around asking their neighbors for food and money. They were also really big into like pulling pranks, which I think is funny because you know, now in modern day, it's often, you know, pranking is often associated with Halloween. Like, for example, in the movie Hocus Pocus, you see the two teenagers who are picking on Max. Towards the end of the movie, they've like TP'd a whole bunch of people's houses and they're bored and they want to figure out what to do next. But that's where the traditional idea of like TPing or egging someone's house or, you know, trying to scare people, like those kinds of pranks. It originates from this Samhain festival, which I thought was really interesting. And then the third holiday that kind of morphed in with Halloween is 
Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. And it is celebrated between November 1st to November 2nd, and it is primarily celebrated in Mexico. And they believe that spirits of their ancestors can return and visit them on the day of Dia de los Muertos. And families will build honorary altars for their deceased loved ones with like their photo and special flowers. And these altars are called ofrendas. What I really like about Dia de los Muertos is the way that they celebrate it is come at from an angle of like celebration and an emphasis of like joyfulness. They, back in the olden days, so like thousands and thousands of years ago, they originally believed, I don't know if they still believe this, but according to the the article I read, was that thousands of years ago, it was seen as disrespectful to mourn the dead. And it was more important to keep their memory alive. Like that was their way of honoring their loved ones instead of grieving them. That's part of the reason why there's a a sense of joy and, and celebration around this holiday is because it's not about grieving the fact that they're gone. It's about celebrating that they, they lived, which I really like. I think that that's really beautiful. I don't know that I ever uh, realized that distinction before with that holiday. So I thought that was pretty cool. So all three of these hol- uh, holidays kind of, you know, merged into one in America when immigrants came over, particularly Irish immigrants in the 1800s. They kind of kick-started making it a tradition in America because they brought their, you know, fall festivities with them and they would celebrate it once they got to America, even still. But I thought it was interesting because I, I found that in the 1920s, um, the the pranking aspect of the holiday seemed to get kind of extreme in major cities. And so what these cities ended up doing is they would organize and host specifically family-friendly, tame events where kids could come and trick-or-treat. And so because of that, the pranking ended up decreasing over time because all of these kids were at these specific Halloween-themed events. And eventually, over time, candy companies began releasing, you know, like specialty Halloween candies, and those candies became incorporated into giving them when trick-or-treaters would come, and that's how trick-or-treating got their name, because there was this aspect of pranking or or tricking people. Uh, Also, it comes from the idea of you know, tricking the spirits because you're wearing a costume or a disguise. And then treating came from seeking out money and food from your neighbors and the candy just kind of naturally fed into that. And then over time, it kind of just became just candy. (laughs) Um, And the candy companies got very rich from it. (laughs) So yeah, something on the note of trick-or-treating though that I think is really fun to do, which is kind of interesting after reading the history about trick-or-treating and how it wasn't always you know, exclusively candy. I love going trick-or-treating and getting treats that aren't just candy. So when, I mean, of course, if you get like a full-size chocolate bar, that's just the jackpot. But if you get like a bag of chips or a pack of Oreos or a glow stick or stickers or anything like that, like just something that's a little different, but a little fun like prize. It's just really cool when you dump out your bag at the end of the night and you've got all these, you know, fun candies and they're all candies you normally know. And then you've just got like a little surprise here and there, like a bag of chips and a sticker. It's just fun and different. So if you are a person who handed out something other than candy for for Halloween yesterday, 
just know that I think you are very cool. I mean, you're still cool, even if you handed out candy, because, I mean, it's candy and chocolate, and you can't go wrong with that, but you're like a little bit cooler if you handed out something other than candy. Anyways, so we're going to really briefly go through my category of favorite Halloween movies, favorite TV shows, and favorite songs. So here we go. I'm going to do a top five. I think that's what I have for all these are top fives. Yes. Okay. So top five. I have movies broken into two different categories. The first one are generic Halloween movies, which I've designated as like kids Halloween because they're either all Disney movies or they are not Disney, but made for children to watch. (laughs) Okay. Number one, favorite movie. Hocus Pocus. How how could you go wrong with this movie? It is the pinnacle of all Halloween movies, in my opinion. It has Bette Midler doing a beautiful musical number to Frank Sinatra's You Put a Spell on Me. It has the humorous zombie that loses his head. It has just an overall good plot, and it's like mid-90s, so it's like a little bit of a throwback with the fashion and, and, and everything. But the plot itself, you could take and put into like modern day, and it still fits. And so I like that about it. But I have a fun story for you, a very short story. So I was watching Hocus Pocus with my sisters the other night. And you know the part where Max and his younger sister and uh, the girl, I can't think of her name, they're in the Sanderson Museum and Max is reading about the black flame candle and how if you light it, you know, the witches come back. And there's a part in that little snippet about the candle that says a virgin has to light the candle in order to bring the witches back. And he jokes like, it's not going to work. And it was so funny because my sister Morgan all of a sudden turns from the TV screen and looks at me and goes, oh my gosh, I never got that before. And I look at her and I go, you didn't get what? And Morgan goes, that, that he as a virgin, that that means, and Laura pipes in and goes, that he's never had sex. (laughs) It was just so funny to see her all of a sudden, like, make that realization of, oh, that's why he could light the candle, which also for a Disney movie is kind of weird, is it not? I think that's kind of weird. Anyways, so then we watched right after that, The Haunted Mansion, the 2003 version with Eddie Murphy, which is the second favorite movie on my list. And I started it and Laura goes, oh my gosh, you haven't seen The Haunted Mansion yet? And I went, no, this is the original Haunted Mansion. And she goes, there's an original because that new version just came out this year in theaters. And she went and she saw it. And I said, yep. There's an original version, which is the best version, the only version, in my opinion. And she goes, oh, well, that makes me feel kind of stupid. And I said, that makes me feel old, which is also kind of weird that they did. I don't, I haven't seen the new one, so I don't know if the newer Haunted Mansion is supposed to be kind of like a an extended version of what happened in the 2003 version or if it's a remake situation i don't know but it seems a little weird that they made another movie so soon 2003 don't don't yell at me if my math is wrong because it'll probably be wrong but that's only like 15 years like it's less than 20 years for sure and that just seems like a little too soon to be making any sort of remake of a movie you know what i mean 
because it came out in 2003. At least Hocus Pocus, when they made Hocus Pocus 2, it had been over 25 years by the time the second movie came out. And I feel like that's a decent amount of time to either do a second movie or try to do a remake or something like that. But anything less than 20 years feels a little too soon. I don't know. That's, that's just my personal opinion. Okay, my third favorite movie is The Scream Team. It's just, uh, it's a fun one. I don't know why, but I really like that one. My fourth favorite movie is Coco. That one is, you know, focused on Dia de los Muertos, but the, the music is great. The animation is beautiful. Like, all of the bright, vibrant colors that they include in it, just, it's really eye-catching. I feel like Coco was kind of one of the first Disney movies that came out that really followed the actual traditions of a culture that was not considered Western or European. And it presented it in a educational and fun way, but also still stayed true to the real meaning of like the holiday. And I really liked that. My fifth favorite, ooh, I, this one is hard, but I think my fifth favorite would probably have to be the Halloween Town series. There are three Halloween Town movies. They're all Disney Channel original movies, but out of the three, my favorite one is probably Halloween Town High, and I think that one's my favorite because it came out when I was like four, maybe five, and I remember when it premiered on Disney Channel for the very first time, and so it's kind of got like just good childhood memories. The first one and the second one came came out in the 90s. I think it was 1995 and then 1999. And I was born in 99. So th they both came out before I was born. <laughs> well, the second one might have come out by the time I was born, but I was literally fresh out of the womb. So I wasn't going to be watching it then. Now for horror movies. Top five. Ready? The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. I think it's on HBO Max. Highly recommend you watch it. It's got a supernatural kind of ghosty vibe to it, but it is set in the 1970s during, you know, the kind of scary craze of serial killers and, and kidnappers. And I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it, but I highly recommend it. It is so good. Second one is Smile. This one came out, I think, last year, and it is really good because it's got a couple really good jump scares. I love a good jump scare in a movie. Just the whole concept concept overall is really interesting to me because I looked at it from like a psychoanalysis lens. Basically, the kind of supernatural aspect of this movie is some sort of, I guess you would call it like a curse that follows people and makes them see people that have like this really eerie, creepy smile on their face all the time. I think the reason why smiles can be really creepy is because when you're smiling out of a like happy or laughing or joy joyful context. It's like, why are you smiling? Why are you doing that? So just that in and of itself is creepy. But then there's also kind of this underlying message of, you know, people smile and they use smiles kind of as masks for their pain, their suffering, the things that they're going through. And it is meant to intentionally deceive you, but not in a malicious way just in a, you know, you don't need to, to know all of my business kind of a way. And so I thought it was just really interesting the way that they took, like the writers took that concept of hiding behind a smile and putting this horror twist on it. So I just think it was really well done. Highly recommend it. I didn't love the ending, I will say that. And the ending of a horror movie is what really does it for me. 
like it the ending solidifies for me whether or not it was a good horror movie overall and the ending did leave me a little bit like what like that's it but because the whole rest of the movie was so well done by the time we got to the end I was able to just be like okay whatever the ending was crap but that's fine because the whole movie was so good so that's another good one Silence of the Lambs I just watched that one and that is in my top five One of my other favorite movies, uh, number four, is Hush. It's about this woman who is deaf and she's living in the woods, very secluded, and this, this psychopath is out hunting people. And she is living in this kind of cabin that has a bunch of glass windows and doors. He tells her, you know that I can come in there and get you and do whatever I want to at any point in time because of these glass doors. Like, all I have to do is break it and get in. But I'm gonna let you think that you have some sort of sense of safety and security and I'm going to taunt you and torment you and just make it worse. You know what I mean? Like for him, that is so gratifying. And so the back and forth of, of him doing this and then her trying to figure out how to outsmart him and get away and save herself is just so good. I also have an irrational fear of going deaf. Like that is one of my biggest fears in life. So it was just really interesting seeing something that is one of my personal fears portrayed on the screen in a horror context. And so to me, it just made it all the more scarier. And then mm, number five on my list is a movie that I just watched as well. And it's Get Out. And I can't think of the actor's name in it, but he... As far as I know, he was nominated as Best Actor for some sort of award. I don't know if it was an Oscar or an Emmy or what it was, but I'm pretty sure he was nominated for one of those awards for Best Acting because of how amazing his acting was in this film. And it's super rare to have any sort of actor or movie that is in the horror genre be nominated for any kind of award. And so that just kind of goes to show how amazing he did. The movie is really centralized in a very real life horror and it basically explores racism and how this one family in particular has singled out black people as their victims. And I won't say any more, but there is a moment that quite literally left my jaw hanging and I just I really enjoyed it it made me it made me think but it was also very much a kind of movie where I thought I knew what was gonna happen and to an extent what I thought was gonna happen did but there were little little bits where there was a twist to it and something happened that I wasn't expecting and so that made it all the more enjoyable okay TV shows. Ghost Whisperer. If you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. It's all about a girl who can see and hear ghosts. So good. Stranger Things. Stranger Things just to me is like such a fall vibe. I watched it right as fall started happening my freshman year of college. And so it just, it's a super nostalgic for me to watch. I started watching it this last week and I hadn't watched it last year. So it's been about two years since I've watched it. I haven't even watched Stranger Things 4. There was so much that like I knew happened, but I forgot the actual scenes or like how things played out. And so it's almost felt like watching it again for the first time. And it's been very enjoyable. So highly recommend Stranger Things. The Vampire Diaries is another one. It's not really specifically Halloween-like, but, you know, it deals with vampires and ghosts and witches and all those kinds of things that kind of feed into to Halloween, you know, those kinds of creatures. So it's a good one to kind of 
break out and watch if if you're in the mood. And then I put the Harry Potter series down for TV shows, even though they are movies, because there's so many of them and they're so long, like they're each like two plus hours long. It kind of feels like watching, you know, like a series. Um, the way you can like break it up over time and watch it. And so that's on there because, you know, there's lots of spooky magic and, and different monsters and um, obviously wizards and witches. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is number three, is my favorite one. I love that they have a little bit of time travel. I love that um, Hermione really gets a center focus in that movie. Like, obviously, you know from the first two movies that she's the smartest witch, that she's the best student, like all of those things. But I feel like in the third one, you really see her smarts put into action. And so I just love that. Also, her curly hair in that one and her pink sweater that gets super dirty when they're like running through the woods is just iconic. When I was little, I had a pink sweater kind of like that, like a zip up sweater. And I would put it on and I would pretend that I was Hermione like with a little stick from outside that was my wand. That one, that one's just a good one to watch, uh, especially at Halloween time. Okay, music, top five, top five songs. Obviously, I'm going to say I put a spell on you from the Hocus Pocus movie. Number two, Purple People Eater by Sheb Woolley. If you haven't heard the song, go listen to it. It is a 1950s jam. So good. Uh, number three, My Family. It is by Migos, Snoop Dogg, Carol G, and Rock Mafia. And it was a song that they made for the Adams Family animated movie that came out like four or five years ago, I think. Never saw the movie, but I heard the song and I loved it. It's got kind of like a um, Hispanic hip-hop rap kind of vibe to it. And so it's just, it's so good. Uh, number four is a song called Who Let the Ghosts Out? And it's by the Hit Crew. This song was on a like Halloween for Kids hit CD <laughs> uh, that I got when I was little. And I would listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. Me and my grandpa and my mom and my Aunt Sarah and I think my cousin Kira was with us. We went to like a daddy-daughter camp out that our church put on when I was younger. And the whole ride there up to the campsite, we listened to the the CD and Who Let the Ghosts Out was my favorite song. So we listened to it definitely more than a couple times. And when we got to the camp out that night, they had pumpkin carving and then they had a talent show. A few hours before the talent show, my, I don't know if it was my aunt or my cousin or like the two combined and my mom, I don't remember exactly how it ended up happening, but they somehow convinced me that we should enter the talent show and do a dance to my favorite song from this CD, which was Who Let the Ghosts Out. And we threw it together and we did this little choreographed dance and we performed it in front of everyone. It was so much fun. I don't know if there was like a first place, second place, third place winner from the talent show, but for some reason in my mind, we took first place. I don't know if it's because I had so much fun and I was like six or seven and I thought our dance moves were like so cool, but I remember winning like from how much joy I had <laughs> from that experience. Thinking back on that actually, 
like on that memory and also on the fact that I was an only child for nine years. And so every year my mom would sew together my Halloween costumes for what I wanted to be. And it was such a fun experience being able to go with her to like Joanne Fabrics and pick out specifically which fabric I wanted to use for my aerial costume or Cinderella. Like I had a whole phase for several years where I was doing the Disney princesses. And my favorite costume that she ever made me was when I decided to be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. We found this gorgeous yellow silk that like perfectly matched the color of Belle's dress. And my mom made the dress identical to the movie. A lot of little girl costumes at the time were kind of like a piece of fabric with like a, a like sparkly petticoat and then like little cap sleeves and a little plastic heart in the the center of the bosom that had like a picture of Belle on it. And so it did not look like Belle's dress. And I wanted my costume to look like Belle. And my mom made, I'm not even kidding, an identical replica. And Belle was, I think, and still is, the only brunette princess. And so it was the first time dressing up as a princess that I didn't need a wig because my hair is brown. And so we we curled it into tight curls for my ponytail. And I put on this dress. And it was like the first time I remember feeling like a princess. Like, feeling special in that way because I I looked like me. It wasn't like I had on a, a red wig and I was trying to look like Ariel or a blonde wig and I was trying to look like Cinderella or even a black wig trying to look like Snow White. And I didn't need a wig. I, it was just me. And it was just me in this beautiful gown. And it was such a special moment. And then to make it even more special, my grandpa dressed up as the beast and he surprised me at our trunk or treat. And I had no idea it was him until afterwards, but he surprised me and gave me a rose. It was just so beautiful because, oh my gosh, I really hope I'm not going to start crying. Because he went out of his way and like all of my family did this, like when I dressed up as Ariel, my mom dressed up as Ursula. And when I did Cinderella, my aunt dressed up as one of the stepsisters. I think she was Drusilla. And I don't remember if it was my mom or my grandma, but they dressed up as the fairy godmother. My whole family got involved with my Halloween costume and that just made it all more special. And it made me feel special and important. And most importantly, it made me feel loved and like really cared for. And I think that that was so special of a gift that my family gave me at such a young age to be able to feel that. And I think because my family made such an effort to help me feel included and and special and like cared for, and because those feelings were so strongly tied with memories that came from Halloween activities or, or around Halloween time, I think that's part of the reason why I love Halloween so much is because it is a holiday that invokes those feelings for me again of, of feeling special and cared for and and excited and playful just all of the the things that you grow out of as you get older or you feel less of as you get older because you know when you you're little you get a lot of validation or at least hopefully you get validation from the adults in your life and you feel safe with them 
So basically, I just think that the adults in my life when I was a child really nailed it. I think (laughs) that they did a really good job of making me feel special and that kind of feeling so unique in a way, you kind of outgrow that as you get older. And so I think Halloween just kind of brings that back for me now as an adult. (sighs) Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent off of one song. Okay, what was my other favorite? Oh, my final top five favorite songs for Halloween is the Linus and Lucy theme song from Charlie Brown uh, and the Great Pumpkin Patch. It's like a piano ballad, but it's like very upbeat and fun. It's just, it's a good song to listen to. Some honorable mentions are Thriller by Michael Jackson. That's just a classic. Ghostbusters is also a classic, Uh, but I have to say I really enjoy the Walk the Moon version of the Ghostbusters song. I think it came from the Ghostbusters movie that had Melissa McCarthy in it and Chris Hemsworth. I never saw the movie, but I heard the song and I really liked the song. And then of course, the Stranger Things theme song is also an honorable mention. Now, it is time. It is time. I don't know why I repeated myself like that. All right, it is time to get in to spooky stories. So up first, I'll be honest, I only got a couple submissions, which is probably good because I I have a ghost story to share. I have, I think, I think I have two to share that are personal stories. I have one from a friend that a friend sent in. And then I have a couple of uh, family ghost stories that my mom told me and then I typed up her stories to share. So let's let's get to it. <laughs> the first story I'm going to share is my, my personal ghost story. So I worked at my university's library for three years while I was in college. I worked two different positions, but at this time in like 2018 or 2019, I was working as a um, the front desk person. So like the greeter, the person who checked out books, all that kind of stuff. And I usually worked the late shift, which was the 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift because I'm a night owl. And working late in the library was really nice because it was super quiet because there was hardly anybody in there. Or like during finals week, it was a lot of fun because there was a lot of people in there. So on this night, we were, I was working with one of my really good friends, Abby, who, because there would always be two of us on the late night shift to close together. And the layout of the library was so, in a way, so that there was a main floor and then a mezzanine, which is basically like a really big balcony that is technically a second story, but it's open. So the main floor, you can see upstairs, the people upstairs can see downstairs, you can hear everything, there's no walls, like it's all open. And then there was a basement, which was the downstairs. And down there was like a quiet study room, the computer lab, some professors' offices, and then the mail room. So on this night when we were working, it was like 11.30, so about 30 minutes to closing time. And There was nobody downstairs and there was only two people in the library upstairs on the mezzanine. And so we made an executive decision to go ahead and lock up and turn off all the lights downstairs in the basement because there was only 30 minutes left and we're like, nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to need to go downstairs in the 30 minutes that are left of being open. So we closed that all up. Then the two people who were left in the library, they left. And there was about like 15 minutes to closing time by the time they left. So we went ahead and we turned the lights off upstairs in the mezzanine. And we left the lights downstairs on the main floor where we were at on 
and the lights on in the stacks over by there's kind of like a computer lab section that was downstairs that students could come in and like print stuff off at and so we left the lights on there in case anybody came in like 10 minutes before closing and was like oh my gosh I need to print my essay really quick or something like that so we were just sitting there chilling I think we were like working on homework on our iPads or something it was just the two of us in the library and I kept hearing creaks and groans from upstairs and the mezzanine upstairs part went directly over where our desk was our work desk and so it sounded like somebody like walking back and forth upstairs and I knew that this is what it sounded like because sitting there at that desk as often as I did and having people being upstairs I knew what it sounded like to have somebody walking and it kind of sounded like somebody was pacing and it kind of it was sporadic like you would hear a couple couple steps like it sounded like a couple steps and then it would stop And then you'd hear some more creaking and groaning, like someone started walking again, and then it would stop. And like the third or fourth time after that noise happened, my friend Abby looked up at me and she goes, do you hear that? And I go, what? And she goes, do you hear that? That noise coming from upstairs? Like, is that just me? (laughs) And I said, no, I kept hearing it too, but (laughs) I didn't want to say anything because I know that nobody's in the library and I didn't want to like freak you out or something. I thought it was just me. Like the building is really old. The window panes tend to shake when it's windy and make noise, but it wasn't windy. Like there was no reason that any noise should have been happening, right? Like the building shouldn't have been groaning from the wind or anything like that. So my friend Abby goes, maybe we should go upstairs and check and make sure that we didn't like accidentally miss somebody upstairs and we turn the lights off on them (laughs) so maybe we should go check so I was like okay yeah I guess we should probably do that and so we got up and because as far as we knew because we were the only two in the library I just stood at the edge of the mezzanine the the balcony part of it and I hollered up there and I was like hey is there anybody in the library like did we miss you And nobody responded. And so we're like, okay, well, let's go upstairs and check. So we walked to the opposite end of the library where the first set of stairs to get upstairs were because there was a set there and then there was a set over by like where our desk was at, which was right by the stairs that go downstairs to the basement. So we walked over to the far end. We walked up the stairs and we're we're chatting and laughing, you know, about like, oh my gosh, can you, can you imagine if we'd like accidentally miss somebody and they've been sitting up here in the dark for like 15 minutes all by themselves you know and so we're laughing and we get to the top two steps and right as we reach the steps we hear this screeching groan go and both of us stopped because we instantly recognized what the sound was because this building was built in like the 1950s or 60s it's super old And it has old like linoleum tiling uh, for the floor. And the desks are these like really old, like equally as old as the building, um, wooden desks and chairs. And when students would push in the chairs, the wood would scrape against the linoleum and it made this very distinct scratching noise. And then it hits the table 
the wood would hit the table and kind of make a thud sound. And we knew very well that this is what the sound made because we'd listen to students come and go from the library all day pushing in their chairs. But also because part of our job was to go around every hour and like push in chairs, pick up trash, count, see how many people are in the library, that kind of a thing. So that's part of the reason why we knew in the beginning there were only two people in the library and then the two people left. We knew nobody else was there but us. But when we heard the sound, that screeching thud, we knew instantly what it was. We knew it was the sound of someone pushing in their chair when they get up to leave. And we looked at each other and I said, did you hear that? And Abby goes, yeah, that sounded like a chair getting pushed in, right? And I said, yeah. And so at the very top of the stairs, I yelled, is anybody in the library? And nobody responded. And so we got out our phone and our flashlights because I don't know why we didn't turn the lights back on, which would have been the smart thing to do, but we didn't. We left them off. So we took our flashlight on our phone and we walked around and we went down all the stacks of books because they were like little individual desks in between some of the stacks. And we were like making sure that there was nobody sitting in the stacks. And because of the layout of the building, the mezzanine is open. So you can see downstairs and you can see across the entire second floor. So if somebody had gotten up, had we missed somebody and they had gotten up to leave, we would have seen them walking across the mezzanine and going downstairs. We didn't see anybody and we never heard the door open and shut like for somebody to leave. And so we walked around the entire thing. We checked all the tables. We checked under the tables. We made sure that nobody was in the library and there was absolutely nobody there. And so with 10 minutes left to closing, we went downstairs and we both agreed we're getting the hell out of here. So we grabbed our backpack. We turned off the last of the lights and we left. We like it was earlier than it, we should have left, but we did not care. We knew nobody would like we knew nobody living was there. And so we, we were like, we need to get out of here. And we grabbed our backpacks and my friend Abby stopped and she like said a really quick prayer. Like she was like, please keep us safe. Okay, bye. <laughs> and, and we left and we locked everything up behind us. It was, it was so freaky. We hopped on, there was this like van that would wait outside the library uh, that was run by the university that could pick up students and drop them off when it was late like that. So that way they didn't have to walk back to their dorm or anything. And so we hopped in the van and it took us to to our various apartments. And the whole car ride, me and Abby just kept looking at each other like, did that like, did that really just happen? Like, did you really hear the same thing I did? Because it, it like, freaked us out. I don't think we ever talked about it again, except in, like, a vague passing joke. Like, oh, you know, the library's haunted, right? Like, and that's the thing, too, is, like, we knew that people thought that the library was haunted because the student body president, he had like a special privilege to stay after the library was closed. Certain students had this ability, like depending on like your grade point average and things like that, you could stay after the library closed if you needed extra quiet time to study. And the student body president, he would often stay late working and planning like student activities and those kinds of things. And he repeatedly said that he thought that the library was haunted because he would hear things and he would hear voices and all sorts of stuff when he was the only one there. But, you know, nobody, nobody ever really believed him. Like, you know, but after that, me and Abby, we, we believed him. But you know, what's interesting though, is I never felt scared. Like in the moment I felt, I would say spooked because I was like, I know nobody is here. Like what's going on? Why are these sounds happening? if nobody is here, but I never felt scared. I never felt scared after that. I worked in the library for two more years 
after that happened and nothing else ever happened while I was living there or while I was living there, while I was working there, <clears throat> nothing else ever happened. And I never felt scared. I would stay there, you know, after the library closed to to study and stuff when I had roommates that I didn't want to go home to. And um, I never had any other experience. That was the only one. But because there was another person there with me, because Abby was there, it almost felt more like validating that it happened because it wasn't just me. Because originally when I heard what sounded like somebody pacing back and forth upstairs, I was able to like kind of brush it off as like, oh, like it's an old building. It often makes weird sounds, like whatever. Like even though logically I knew there was no reason it should be making the sounds, I could still feel justified in saying, oh, it's just an old building. That's what they do. But then because my friend heard it and she pointed it out, no, this is weird. Like, why is it making this noise? It like validated the fact that I, I really did think it was weird. I just didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> so that was really my one and only like ghost encounter. Let's see. What was the other story I was going to tell? Oh, so this story really isn't mine. It's one that got told to me uh, by a supervisor at work, but I, I wanted to tell it anyways because it gave me the goosebumps and I don't get goosebumps super easily. I'll get scared and kind of like, ooh, like that's creepy. But like the actual physical goosebumps, I, I don't get those very often. And him telling me the story gave me the goosebumps. So I'm going to share it. So the school district that I work for and the high school that I work at uh, within the last year finished building a new theater and a new... Uh, like science wing building. The new theater is like very fancy. It's got, you know, like new high-tech equipment for putting on plays and, and all of that kind of stuff. So they hired a events specialist, like someone designated to take care of the building basically. And so he is like my direct supervisor for when I schedule overtime and things like that. And so I was there visiting him one day at the theater in his office to sign paperwork for overtime. And him and my other coworker who was there with me signing paperwork, we just kind of started chatting about either the fact that the building was new or about ghosts or like something came up and we started talking about like ghost sightings in the theater building. And my supervisor was saying that him and the choir teacher one day both saw a woman in a Victorian dress up on the, uh, oh, theater majors. Don't be mad at me. I don't know what it's called. I can't think of it. But it's like the, the rafting up above the stage where people can like lower things down and uh, adjust lighting and like all that kind of stuff. Well, they saw a lady up there and they both looked at each other and were like, oh my gosh, did you just see that? <laughs> but the one that like really got me was he was saying he was there one day and nobody was in the building. It was before school started. So it was before anybody st had started using the building since it got finished. And he, he kept getting like notifications on the security cameras in his office saying that there was movement like there was a little green square that would follow people like if they moved in the camera and the little green square kept like moving and going back and forth like somebody was there but there was nobody there and he was like oh that's weird you know just kind of ignored it he acknowledged it but he didn't do anything about it because he knew nobody was there he could obviously see that there was nobody there and so he was like okay whatever and then he <laughs> It creeps me out just retelling it. He heard a woman's voice 
from out in the theater itself. His office is like at the top of the theater, kind of tucked away in like this little, like very miniature hallway. And all the doors were open from that little hallway into his office. So like from the theater to his office, all the doors were open. And he heard a woman's voice and he heard something talk back to her. But it wasn't like her voice. Like her voice was it was muffled in the sense of like, you know, it was far away. Like you couldn't necessarily totally hear what she was saying, but you knew it was a woman's voice and she was saying something. But the thing that was talking back to her sounded all like garbled and like, like kind of like demonic. And the voices got closer. He got up to go walk out of his office to go see what was going on. And as he got up, he heard the voice of the woman say, I think he hears us. And then the little gargly voice responded. And he walked over to the doorway. And right before he turned to go into the hallway to look out into the theater, the woman's voice said, he's coming. And then the voices stopped and he turned the corner and nobody was there. He didn't hear any more voices, nothing. He said he thinks that the woman's voice is like the Victorian lady that him and the choir teacher saw, but the creepy, like, um, demonic sounding one, he's like, that's the one that scared me because it did not sound natural. Granted, ghosts aren't natural, but it did not sound like a normal human's voice. And that story gave me the chills. It freaked me out in a good way. Like, this is a good kind of spooky, but okay, so... Now for a story that my friend submitted. So she said, uh, these are ones that I'm going to read, just FYI. So she said, hey girl, I wanted to help out and contribute with your podcast, but I don't really have a good ghost story. But as I was trying to think of spooky things, I remembered that I have had some low-key sleep paralysis moments throughout my life where my nightmare blended with reality, but I've only ever had full-out sleep paralysis demon experiences twice. So I'm pretty sure like most people know what sleep paralysis is, but for anybody who doesn't, it is basically a psychological phenomenon that happens while you're, you're sleeping. And it's a kind of, as I would describe it, a dream state where your body is paralyzed and immovable but your consciousness, your your mind, whatever you want to refer to as that, is awake. And oftentimes it is either awake to the point where like it feels like your eyes are open and you can look around you and see things happening around you, but you can't move, which is very scary by itself. But also there are some, some people have reported experiences of like out of body experiences where they can see their actual physical body laying in their bed, but their viewpoint is like outside of their body so they can look down on their body. Um, so it just kind of depends on the account. But oftentimes in sleep paralysis, people experience like seeing dark shadows or, or monster-like creatures there's a common one called which people call the old hag where this old lady will like crawl onto your bed and sit on your chest and it it makes you feel like you're suffocating like you can't breathe and so that's like that's what sleep paralysis is basically okay yeah so I've had some low-key sleep paralysis moments, um, but I've only ever had full-out sleep paralysis demon experiences twice. Like visually and physically having something, quote, attack me while I was, quote, awake, but paralyzed. The first time was when a woman crawled into bed behind me and put her arm around my throat to choke me, which is 
terrifying. Okay. Kind of like the old hag, right? Like sitting on you and and making you feel like you can't breathe. Like I feel like that's very similar to that. But having having someone like crawl up behind you and physically like choke you out, that's scarier to me. <laughs> the second time it was like this worm on a string from hell <laughs> that slithered on top of me, grinning with human teeth. Okay, first off, <laughs> the imagery of that, no thank you. For the last few years, I've been writing dream poems every day after I wake up as a type of dream journal. So as I started writing my dream poem for my second sleep paralysis experience, out of curiosity, I checked the date of my poem of the first sleep paralysis. I realized when I did that that they happened virtually exactly a year apart a year and a day to be specific. So I don't know what that means, but now I'm very afraid for the next March 1st, which by the way, March 1st is my birthday. Okay, so don't love that. (laughs) She said, I even animated the worm demon to show people when it happened. So I'll attach that clip for your uh, viewing pleasure. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) As always, good job with the podcast and happy spooky season. When I post about this episode, like what the episode will be and stuff when the episode drops, I'm going to include this video that she sent me because it is very creepy. Like it looks kind of childlike, like in the video, in the sense of what the worm looks like. But in reality, like imagining that, like with real human teeth, and like a dark worm-like thing, like that's ter- that's fucking terrifying. Okay. All right. Next one. So these are some of my family's ghost story encounters. I got them all from my mom. Some of the stories didn't actually happen to my mom, but uh, to my grandma, but uh, my grandma passed away. So I couldn't get them directly from her. This first one is the house painting ghost. This is a story that happened to my mom. She would have loved to tell it herself, but she passed away in April. So I guess I'll have to do. (laughs) When my siblings and I were younger, my mom painted houses and apartments as a part-time job to bring in some extra money for our family. A friend of our family was moving and asked my mom to paint their house once they had moved out so that it could be ready to sell. The family had already completely cleared out all of their belongings and moved into their new home by the time my mom went to paint this house. So one day, my mom was in the house all by herself painting the walls in the living room, and all of a sudden, a knife appeared literally out of thin air and came flying at her from out of nowhere. Right after this happened, my mom grabbed the phone and called my dad to come protect her. I remember picking the phone up when my mom called that day and demanding in a panicked voice to give the phone to your father now. (laughs) When mom hung up the phone, she headed outside to wait for my dad to get there, and as she was trying to leave the house through the side door, a man in 1930s or 40s attire, wearing a fedora and a plaid button-down work shirt with jeans and black shoes, was standing in the doorway not letting her pass. My mom yelled out to him, you're not supposed to be here, you need to leave, and turned around and ran out the front door. When my dad showed up, he checked the house, and no one other than my mom was there. However, the knife that had been thrown out of thin air was still there on the floor where it had landed. Because the family that moved out of that house had been our friends, my mom asked them afterwards if they had ever experienced or seen anything in that house while living there, and they said that they hadn't. After all of that, for all of her painting jobs, my mom would take one of us six kids along with her just so that she wasn't there working by herself. (laughs) Okay, so this story is super 
scary. Like, if this was me experiencing it, I'd be really scared to have a knife just appear out of nowhere. Like, the house is completely empty. There's nothing left in the house. The people have moved everything out. So, where did this knife come from, right? Like, it literally appeared out of thin air. And it was, like, aimed at my grandma. Like... I don't love that. I would not love that. And then to turn around and try to leave and there's a literal man standing in the doorway blocking you from leaving. (laughs) Also, I think it's so funny that my grandma was like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. You need to leave, mister. Like... (laughs) I don't know. I don't think she thought he was a real person. I think she thought it was a ghost of some sort. But but that kind of makes it funnier, like, if it was a ghost and not a real person. Um, and then, of course, the ending is my favorite. The fact that she, like, brought one of the kids along with her from then on so she wasn't by herself. Like, as long as I have a, uh, have a child here, as long as I have another person, I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think that that's how that works, but you know, whatever makes you feel better, I think is all that matters. So this next one, um, this next story is entitled Fred and Ginger. So it says, we had two gross, gross, (laughs) we had two ghosts show up in my parents' house when I was around 19 years old, who we named Fred and Ginger. We had lived in that house for about 13 plus years at the time when they appeared, so they hadn't been there from the start. We have no idea where they came from or why they chose to stay with us. They came and went sporadically, but the first time we think Fred and Ginger appeared was on a night when my mom was up late waiting for my younger brother David, who was about 16 or 17 at the time, to come home after being out with friends. My mom always waited up for all of us to get home no matter what, and it wasn't uncommon for David's friends to come back with David and hang out or spend the night. So when my mom heard music coming from the living room at the opposite end of the hallway, she just assumed that David had gotten home and he and his friends were listening to music just hanging out. She did think it was odd, though, that the music they were listening to was big band swing music, you know, the kind of dancing music from the 1930s. Well, because it was late, my mom got up and opened the door to tell them to keep it down because it was kind of loud. As soon as she opened the door, the music stopped. She hollered down the hallway, keep it down out there, everyone's sleeping, and she shut the door and the music started up again just as loud. So she opened her door again and said, David, keep the music down. And she shut her door again. Well, the music started up again, almost even louder than before. My mom got so mad that David wasn't listening to her that she stomped down the hallway to yell at him. And when she got out into the living room, no one was there. No David, definitely not any of David's friends, no one. It was after this night and hearing that music that weird stuff would start happening around the house, like things going missing and reappearing or things being thrown. We don't really know if Fred and Ginger were actually a boy and a girl ghost because we never saw them, but you could feel two completely different feelings when they were present. Like one, Fred was lighthearted. He was a trickster and liked to pull silly pranks like taking items and hiding them from you for a time being and then putting them back somewhere where you knew you had checked, but it hadn't been there when you looked. And you'd be like, I know that wasn't there when I looked. That's crazy. (laughs) Ginger, though, she was not like Fred. She was not nice. She was mean-spirited and violent. She'd throw things around like pushing a TV remote off of the table or pushing seasonings out of a kitchen cabinet when you opened it. So because of that, we knew they were two separate ghosts. We just ended up naming them Fred and Ginger because of the music my mom had heard, which was the 1930s dancing music, 
And Fred Astaire, uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were famous dancers from the 30s, so it seemed fitting. I don't know why we named the mean one Ginger and the prankster Fred, but those were just the feelings that we got from them. But one day, Ginger really upped her game in terms of what she would throw around. My younger sister, Lacey, who was probably 15 or 16 at the time, was cooking in the kitchen or putting dishes away, just moving around busy in the kitchen, when out of the kitchen drawer, a steak knife came flying out and barely missed Lacey's head. After that, we had to banish Ginger out of the house, but Fred's took around for a while. Eventually, several years later, when all of my siblings had moved out and away with families of their own, my parents decided to sell that house and move. We kind of figured that when they moved, Fred and Ginger would move with them because at that point, they had been with us in their house for 20 plus years. However, instead of moving with my parents when they left, they ended up coming to live in my house for a few years, which, <laughs> which was my house when because this is my mom telling the story. This was my house that they came to live at. <laughs> we knew they had come to our house because things started disappearing and reappearing in weird spots, just like before at my parents' house. We knew Ginger had come back too because I was in the bathroom one day cleaning stuff out and I had gone up on a step stool to reach the top shelf of some built-ins that reached up to the ceiling. I was moving stuff around on the shelf just below the very top shelf when suddenly all of the stuff on the shelf above, like medicine, shampoo bottles, etc., came falling down on top of me as if someone had been behind the stuff and forcefully pushed it off. There was no way all of that stuff could have just happened to a fall on its own. Me and my family ended up moving out closer to my parents a few years after my parents had moved, and that time no one followed us. <laughs> Fred and Ginger seemed to have stayed put because once we were living in our new house, weird things never happened like they used to. My mom said a couple times that she thought Fred would resurface every so often after they had moved and we had moved because things would go missing, but the things that went missing rarely were found again, so I think by that point, my parents had just reached an older age where they would set stuff down or throw things out and forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, so I grew up, like, my whole childhood knowing about Fred and Ginger. I remember when <laughs> they kind of, like, moved in with us after my grandpa and my grandma moved because I had, what was it? I, I want to say it was, like, a gold dollar, like, a golden dollar coin that I had gotten from, you know, the Tooth Fairy, and I remember setting it on top of these old speakers that we had that were attached to our TV. I went into the, go to the bathroom or something, and I came out, and the coin was gone, and I was like, I know I just sat it here, and so I went around the house, and I was, like, looking for it, couldn't find it, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe I just, like, misplaced it or something, and then the next day, I was walking by the the stereo set and those speakers and the coin was right there on top of the speaker and I was like okay I know that that's where I said it but I also know that it was not there when I was looking for it yesterday so where did it go and how did it reappear here <laughs> like and so after that like I think my mom had mentioned that something happened to her where she was like where where did this go and and I remember when that happened to my mom and all the stuff in the bathroom fell out on her because she like yelled ow like like, because all this stuff, like, fell and hit her head, and I ran in there, and I was like, are you okay, and she was like, 
yeah, I think I'm fine, but all this stuff just all of a sudden fell out. Like, it was a lot of stuff. Like, it wasn't just one or two things. Like, all of the stuff on the front half of the shelf, and it was it was one of those shelves where we'd store, like, shampoo bottles and conditioner and hairspray, extra tubes of toothpaste, you know, the things that you're not reaching for every day, but you keep handy for when you run out of shampoo or something. And all of that stuff had fallen on the floor. Like, it was a mess when I walked in because there was so much stuff that had fallen. And so there was no way that, like, all that stuff happened to fall like it's not like the the shelf moved or slightly collapsed and then all the stuff slid off it was all totally normal and all that stuff just just fell out of nowhere and so Fred and Ginger were were common um characters in my childhood (laughs) growing up okay This is the last story that I have for you all. So this one, again, is a story from my mom, um, but it is something that happened to my grandma. Uh, So here we go. My parents' bedroom was at the back of the house and the end of a long hallway. Their bed faced towards the hallway so that when they were laying in bed, they could look down the hallway and see if the kids' bedroom doors were shut or if any of the kids were up when they weren't supposed to be. So one day, my mom was laying in her bed at the end of the hall, nursing one of my youngest siblings when she heard little footsteps in the hallway. The door to my parents' bedroom was a pocket door that you had to slide open, and since my mom was nursing, she had pulled it closed in case any of the kids came home with their friends. So she couldn't see down the hall because the door was closed, and she knew she was home alone, but she heard soft little footsteps walking down the hall towards her bedroom. As the footsteps neared the bedroom, the pocket door slid open, and there in the doorway was a little girl, about five or six, with pigtails in her hair. The little girl proceeded to crawl up onto the bed towards my mom, and she could see as the little girl moved across the bed, indentations appearing on the blankets where the little girl's feet and hands were. The little girl stopped, and my mom asked, Are you looking for your mommy? But as soon as my mom spoke to the little girl, she left, just disappeared once she realized someone saw her. My mom never saw her again, and none of my siblings or I or my dad ever saw anything either. We often wonder, because my mom never saw the little girl again, if she had maybe come home by accident with my dad, who was a police detective that worked several children's homicide cases at the time. Okay, so that was the last story. So happy Halloween, happy November 1st. Thank you so much for joining. I haven't looked at my calendar yet to see what I wrote down for next week's episode, so I can't give you a sneak peek just yet, but I did have the idea, depending on what I had scheduled for next week, uh, possibly doing an episode on conspiracy theories. I thought that could maybe be fun. So all right, so that is a wrap on our spooktacular Halloween episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed. Remember to rate and review. They help the podcast um, gain traction and promote to new listeners. Also, subscribe so that way you don't miss any new episodes. They come out every Wednesday. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at notyourcupoftea, period, podcast for announcements behind the scenes. Um, I do listener like question boxes that you can submit to participate in episodes and hear your answers read there. And what else? 
still working on my little outro phrase. I don't know what it's going to be, but I had someone uh, comment their suggestions on my Instagram post for last week's episode, and they suggested um, this. So I'm going to give it a try. Let me know how you feel. If you feel like it's vibing or if it's not, I'm a little on the fence about it, so I'm going to give it a try and see if it flows. Okay? Are you ready for it? Dramatic pause. Oh, actually, I just thought of one that I kind of like. Okay, we're going to give this one. We're going to give both of them a try, and then you let me know which one you like, okay? These are our our two options. Okay, option number one is the one that a listener suggested. Ready? Thanks for joining me for today's episode. I hope it was your cup of tea, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye. And now this is option number two. This is the one I just thought of, okay? Thanks so much for joining me for tea, and I hope to see you next week. Bye. Okay, now the episode's actually done. Bye. (laughs)